So I'll repeat that again. We are on the uh, sixth canto, chapter 14, text 30. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, uh, Krita Duti is uh, just, just well, they just got, Chitrakechu uh, just got the, you know, we could call it benediction, or just got that you will have a son who will cause both jubilation and lamentation. And then he left without any further <laughs> description. So that's where we ended two weeks ago. We didn't have class last week. So now translation of 30, and we're reading all the translations up to 54. So, you know, Put on your uh, patient hat. But it's exciting. As Kritika Devi, after receiving the semen from, of Lord Shiva from Agni, conceived a child named Skanda, Kartikeya. Krita Dutti, having received semen from Chitraketu, became <laughs> pregnant after eating remnants of food from the yagna performed by Angira. After receiving uh, summoned from Maharaj Chitraketu, the king of Surasena, Queen, Queen Krita Duti gradually developed in her pregnancy, O King Parikshit, just as the moon developed during the bright fortnight. Thereafter, in the course of time, a son was born to the king. Having news of this, all the inhabitants of the state of Surasena were extremely pleased. King Chitraketu was especially pleased. After purifying himself by bathing, by, de- by bathing and by decorating himself with ornaments, he engaged learned brahmanas in offering benedictions to the child and performing the birth ceremony. Unto the brahmanas who took part in the ritualistic ceremony, the king gave charity of gold, silver, garments, ornaments, villages, horses, and elephants, as well as 60 crores of cows. As a cloud indiscriminately pours water on the earth, the beneficent King Chitraketu, in, to increase his reputation, opulence, and longevity of his son, distributed like rainfall all desirable things to everyone. When a poor man gets some money after great difficulty, his affection for the money increases daily. Similarly, when King Chitraketu, after great difficulty, received a child, his affection for the son increased day by day. Mother's affection, attraction, and attention to the son like that of a child's father, excessively increased. The other wives, seeing Kritiduti's son, were very much agitated, as if by high fevers, with a desire to have sons. As King Chichiketu fostered his son very carefully, his affection for Queen Kritiduti increased, but gradually he lost affection for the other wives who had no sons. The other wives were extremely unhappy due to their being sonless, because of the king's negligence towards them, they condemned themselves in envy and lamented. A wife who has no sons is neglected at home by her husband and dishonored by her co-wives, exactly like a maidservant. Certainly such a woman is condemned in every respect because of her sinful life. Even maidservants who are constantly engaged in rendering service to the husband are honored by the husband, and thus they have nothing by which to lament. Our position, however, is that we are maidservants of the maidservant. Therefore, we are most unfortunate. Sukadeva Goswami continued. Being neglected by their husband and seeing Kritajuchi's opulence in possessing a son, Kritajuchi's co-wives always burned in envy, which became extremely strong. 
As their envy increased, they lost their intelligence. Being extremely hard-hearted and unable to tolerate the king's neglect, they finally administered poison to the sun. Unaware of the poison administered by her co-wives, Queen Krityaduti walked within the house thinking that her son was sleeping deeply. She did not understand that he was dead. Thinking that her child had been sleeping for a long time, Queen Krityaduti uh, who was certainly very intelligent, ordered the nurse, my dear friend, please bring my son here. When the maidservant approached the child who was lying down, she saw that his eyes were turned upward. There was no sign of life. All his senses had stopped, and she could understand that the child was dead. Seeing this, she immediately cried, now I am doomed, and fell to the ground. In great agitation, the maidservant struck her breast with both hands and cried loudly in regretful words. Hearing her loud voice, the queen immediately came. And when she approached her son, she saw that he was suddenly dead. In great lamentation, her hair and dress in disarray, the queen fell to the ground unconscious. O King Parikshit, hearing the loud crying, all the inhabitants of the palace came, both men and women. Being equally aggrieved, they also began to cry. The queens who had administered the poison also cried pretentiously, knowing full well their offense. When King Chichiketu heard of his son's death from unknown causes, he became almost blind because of his great affection for his son. His lamentation grew like a blazing fire. And as he went to see the dead child, he kept slipping and falling on the ground, surrounded by his ministers and other officers and alerted prominence present. The king approached and fell unconscious at the child's feet his hair and dress scattered. When the, when the king, breathing heavily, regained consciousness, his eyes were tearful and he could not speak. When the queen saw her husband, King Chitraketu, emerge in great lamentation and saw the dead child, who was the only son in the family, she lamented in various ways. This increased the pain in, in the core of the hearts of all the inhabitants of the palace the ministers and all the Brahmanas. The garland of flowers decorating the queen's head fell and her hair scattered. Falling tears melted the, mm, what is that? Chorium on her eyes and moistened her breasts, which were covered with kumkum powder. As she lamented the loss of her son, she, her loud crying resembled the sweet sound of a kuraki bird. And this is a verse that we'll talk about. Alas! O oh, providence, O oh, creator, you are certainly inexperienced in creation. For during the lifetime of a father, you have caused the death of his son, thus acting in opposition to your creative laws. If you are determined to contradict these laws, you are certainly the enemy of the living entity and are never merciful. Prabhupada writes in his purport. In this, this is the way a conditioned soul condemns the supreme controller when he meets reverses. Sometimes he accuses the Supreme Personality of Godhead of being crooked because some people are happy and some are not. Here the queen blames Supreme Providence for her son's death. Following the creative laws, the father should die first and then his son. If the creative laws are changed according to the whims of Providence, then Providence certainly should not be considered merciful, but must be considered inimical to the created being. Actually, it is not the creator, but the conditioned soul who is inexperienced. He does not know the subtle laws of fruit of activity. How, I'm sorry, how the subtle laws of fruit of activity work. 
and without knowledge of these law of these laws of nature, he ignorantly criticizes the supreme personality of Godhead. So there's uh, a lot here. Um, so Krita uh, reaction and, and Kitrakatus for that matter. Um, they are, we, you know, we can sympathize with a mother's grief like this. Yet we do have to say, and we'll learn more in the next chapter, that her reaction is not exactly devotional, right? Because um, she's blaming ultimately Krishna, ultimately the Lord, and here providence for what has happened. Mm. And Shastra, throughout the Shastra, we learn that we should have a different response when we are confronted with, with grief or disaster. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have human feelings. Um, the Vedic <clears throat> culture allows for a time for grieving. Uh, that we, we saw that at the end of the Battle of Kurukshetra, for example, that before Krishna started speaking like he speaks in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, how, you know, life is temporary and we're not this body. And there was a grieving period. But Krittaduti's reaction is to blame Krishna. So the, the, um, the Vedic process of giving time to grieve doesn't include blaming the Supreme. <laughs> so how should we uh, face the inevitable and I want to underscore that, the inevitable miseries of life, inevitable miseries of life, they're inevitable. Prabhupada writes, talks about this in a class that he gave. A devotee is suffering from some reverse condition, but he is feeling very much obliged to Krishna, to God. Oh, my dear Lord, it is your great mercy that I am suffering. This is devotee. He is suffering and he is taking it as great mercy of God. Tate anukampam, tate uh, anukampam means mercy. So it is your mercy. Tate anukampam sukshamikshamano, bunjana yevatma rikam ripakam. Prabhupada also talked about this in a class he gave in 1976 in Vrindavan. Krishna is always merciful. Therefore, devotees never take anything as not merciful. Tate anukampam. They take everything from Krishna as sympathy. Anukampa. Anukampa. One who can see this anukampa in reverse conditions of life, the compassion of the Supreme Personality of God at Mukti Pade Sadhayabak. His right to become liberated becomes guaranteed. If anyone accepts the mercy of God in any circumstances and he does not do anything wrong to anyone, such person is guaranteed to be liberated. That is the injunction of Shastra. And... One more from the song of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Suke Duke Bolonako. Uh, he says, Do not forget chanting either in distress or in happiness. Badane Harinam Korore. So far chanting is concerned, there cannot be any check because in whatever condition I may be, I can go on chanting this Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur advises, Never mind if you are in distress or in happiness, but go on chanting this Maha Mantra. So this is easy to say in a class, no doubt. You know, uh, it's much, 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 much harder to do in real life. But this is what 
it comes, this is, in, in part, this is what it comes down to, to being a devotee. To have that sudida um, nishchaya, that, that firm faith that Krishna does love me. Krishna um, is my ever well-wisher. And we'll get a perspective on this that will be helpful to develop that consciousness in the next chapter. But if we understand Krishna's not joking, life is temporary, Krishna's not joking, dukalayama sashritam, anityamasukam loka, and that the miseries of this world are, first of all, they are temporary. I, again, super easy to say that, much harder to uh, take shelter of that understanding when we're going through challenges in life. And that challenges in life are helpful in the sense that we remember this is not our home. If everything was peachy keen, everything was wonderful, then where would be the impetus to develop the desire to serve and love Krishna and go back to serve him in the spiritual world? So this is a big topic, a big challenge to every one of us. Because every one of us is going to have loved ones who die and, and health challenges and reverses perhaps in our, you know, in, in our finances or in our relationships or whatever. It's just the very nature of this world. And so here we're, Prabhupada is telling us not to um, react as Krittaduti did. Now, of course, she's, you know, she's a great, she's in the Bhagavatam. She's a great devotee. Um, but lamenting, totally natural. Blaming Krishna, not so good. So, questions, comments? Hare Krishna. Yes, Guru Das. So, um, you read it beautifully, and uh, in the course of the reading, I got a, just a, a sense, a glimmer of the um, the import or the uh, the layering of all of this that you were just speaking of. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing to hear it all at once. Um, and I was struck by um, this sense of, we all seem to have an innate sense of entitlement. That That's a nice way to put it, yes. I, I was searching for that word, and it just came to me a second ago, that we expect you know the fact that even though i may not have any knowledge of god or no god at all i'm living i'm breathing i'm you know i was born in a family of people who are living and breathing and eating and sleeping so i expect the same rights as they do or I expect the same rights as people around me uh and then when something uh out of uh, unusual happens or you know, uh, as you say, it's natural for us to turn and and want to um, and want to blame, but um, for the ordinary conditioned soul, as as you're uh, pointing out correctly, and and the parampara points out correctly, we should have transcendental knowledge. Um, but um, what am I trying to get at? Uh, I was thinking uh, a couple of things. The, one is that the gopis, uh, who are absolutely the highest transcendental beings, 
you know, uh, the Supreme Lord actually enjoys it when they complain like this or they <laughs> yeah. turn to the Supreme and, 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 you know, just... Yeah, that's a different program. Of course it is. Of course <laughs> it is. But, but um, uh, we... Um, it, it, it's really a, a, a very... I guess what I'm trying to say is this very amazingly big process to get to the point where we can be, uh, as you were describing, transcendental to this very, very natural seeming reaction to human loss of life or a lot, you know, mm -hmm. it, you've, you've, God, you've taken away my, you know, why have you done this? Why have you done it to me? Um, we, we, that's, we have to be counterintuitive in a sense to pursue our devotional service. Well, I really like what you're saying about uh, uh, entitlement because we do, we, first of all, I think the most people have the, the idea that we're entitled to enjoy in this world, <laughs> right? Um, you, when you're an American citizen, what is the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Right. But when you, if, what is our philosophy? What is the one, uh, I, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but am I understanding? We have one thing that we're entitled to in terms of if we're looking through the eyes of Shastra. Anyway. We're entitled to remember Krishna. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's, that's one way of putting it. I was going to say that we're entitled to service because that is our, our Janma car. Uh, the, you know, we have different Adi cars. You know, we, you, you may be, um, different levels of expertise in something that may be your adhikar or your adhikar in spiritual life. But our janmakar, just by taking birth as a living entity, we have the right to be Krishna's servant. Yeah, thank you for that. Other thoughts, questions, comments? I was thinking the same, Prabhu, like uh, the entitlement, if we feel it towards service, there will be progress. Um, yes. uh, even in the face of reversals, you will feel like we will feel a great relief and hope when we feel like yes, I, I can serve. You know, at least through chanting, I may not be. My circumstance may not be favorable uh, to serve otherwise. So that gives like greater joy and, uh, you know, true meaning of entitlement is what I was thinking. Very good. Yeah, we might not be entitled to be a head pajari or to be a this or that, but we all are entitled to chant Hare Krishna. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Raghunandan Prabhu, you look like you were going to say something, but maybe I misread your body language. Yes, Prabhu. Uh, I was thinking about, like, yeah, um, suffering is not a pleasant thing to go through but that's what we uh, subscribe for when we wanted to come to this material world because this place is a place <laughs> of suffering and if we are trying to look uh, find happiness here then uh, that that that's the height of uh, foolishness uh, because it, we cannot go to a desert and uh, expect to find uh, vast bodies of water uh, but uh, having said that the life Life is not full of suffering still. That's that's Krishna's mercy. Right. 
there's some somewhere little bit here and there some suffering is coming but even for that if i am going to cry out and lament and say oh i i, I was expecting every rosy thing happening every moment of my life that's my uh, ignorance so so the better thing is from the point of view of the scripture krishna clearly says the creator himself is saying dukalayam so you have to accept that and say oh still being a dukalayam my life is much more comfortable and pleasant and happy and how can i dedicate this lifetime in krishna's service mm, thank you we have in the chat that uh, i'm not sure if it was jiva satvaprabhu or his good wife and uh ananda rupa but they put in this nice purport about happiness and stress from the 13th chapter and suganda has also written um we should know that we are responsible for our own miseries it is our karma due to our free will that we should also not blame others yes and that's basically what that verse that we were that prabhupada is quoting tatenu kampam it's basically saying that when you take responsibility for your suffering and you thank krishna for minimizing it and you're convinced that you would have gotten a lot worse but krishna has minimized it and and the next thing and you offer him your obeisances with your heart and with your words and with your mind if you do those three things then uh jivati yomukti padesa bhayadayabak you are liberated and you will attain krishna's abode if you develop that and i and i think we've mentioned this many times before but just as a reminder when we're dealing with another person especially a devotee who's going through some challenges it takes some finesse it takes some intelligence how to help them perhaps gradually come to that realization it's not you just go prabhu it's krishna's mercy ha ha you know now andy has put in the mater- this is a quote in the material world conceptions of good and bad are all mental speculations therefore saying this is good and this is bad is all a mistake one has to understand the material world the duality to think this is good or this is bad is simply mental concoction however one should not imitate this consciousness one should actually be situated on the spiritual platform of neutrality right and uh the quote from the that uh, uh ananda rupa and uh Chivitaprabhup but was that happiness and distress are concomitant factors of material life one should learn to tolerate as advised in bhagavad gita just one second just turning my phone off one can never restrict the coming and going of happiness and distress so one should be detached from the materialistic way of life and be automatically equipoised in both cases that's what also we heard from the quote we just read from andy generally when we get something desirable we are very happy and when we get something undesirable we are distressed but if we are actually in the spiritual position these things will not agitate us to reach that stage we have to practice unbreakable devotional service okay uh shall we carry on then we're on text number 55 my lord this is pretty due to continue you may say that there's no law that a father must die in the lifetime of his son and that a son must be born in the lifetime of his father since everyone lives and dies according to his own fruit of activity however if fruit of activity is so strong that birth and death depend upon it there is no need of a controller or god 
Again, if you say that a controller is needed because the material energy does not have the power to act, one may answer that if the bonds of affection you have created are disturbed by fruitive action, no one will raise children with affection. Instead, everyone will cruelly neglect his child, his children. Since you have cut the bonds of affection that compel a parent to raise his child, you appear inexperienced and unintelligent. <laughs> I like that. In the purport, Prabhupada writes, in this verse, karma has been stressed on the basis of karma mimangsa philosophy, which says that one must act according to his karma and that a supreme controller must give the results of karma. So in one sense, karma is stronger than the supreme controller. Or at least, yeah, okay. The subtle laws of karma, which are controlled by the supreme, cannot be understood by ordinary conditioned souls. It's very hard for us to understand them. Therefore, Krishna says that one who can understand him, how he is acting, controlling everything by subtle laws, immediately becomes freed by his grace. That is the statement of Brahma Sanghita, karmani nidahati kintu chabakti bhajam. One should, that means that, um, that bhakti cuts away at our karma completely in, in complete bhakti. One should take to devotional service without reservations and surrender everything to the supreme will of the Lord. That will make one happy in this life and the next. Hmm. So she, the, if karma mimangsa is not, um, it's very, 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 very different than uh, the Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy, that, that the laws of karma, uh, that Krishna is controlled by them and he has to deliver them. Now, the, the tricky thing about it is that generally that's, that's just about right. Krishna is uh, neutral. Hmm. Anumanta, he's, he's the observer and the overseer and the permitter, but he's neutral and people get what they want and what they deserve. We get what we want and get what we deserve. Yet, as Prabhupada is saying at the end of this, but when you, when you awaken Krishna's attention through and only through bhakti, it's the only way to awaken Krishna's attention of course, he can attend anything he wants, but you know what I mean now. Um, and for the rules to change and for to Krishna to, to adjust them according to what will help us come closer to him, that requires bhakti. That requires bhakti. Um, and for a... Because, because the bhakta who is practicing bhakti... Is trying, is trying to develop their mood of a servant, or if they're very advanced, is fixed in the mood of a servant, because that is, as we said a few minutes ago, that is our swarup. That is who we are. We are Krishna's servant. And one of the big problems with, with Mayavad or impersonal realizations is that there's no room for service. If you are the Supreme, if you ever go to uh, Sankaracharya's uh, Mutt in, I think it's in Shingiri. Anyone been there? Sankaracharya's Mutt? <laughs> no? Okay, so it ha uh, as you're walking in, it has a sign, you know, uh, um, Aham Brahmasmi. 
I am Brahman or the greatest, you know, that not, I guess, uh, what's his name could have said the same thing, Muhammad Ali, he say I'm the greatest, but, you know, Aham Brahmasmi. So if you're the greatest, uh, where's service in all that, right? It, it's, it's nowhere to be found. And if actually our swarup is to be a servant, then that's why, you know, what does uh, Prabodhananda Saraswati say? About Naraka, Narakayas, you know, Kaivalyam Narakayate. Thank you, Kaivalyam Narakayate. That it's uh, it's a hellish mentality. If we actually understand that we're servants of God, becoming one with God is just hellish. Because whereas you can't do any service, then, right? And that also, you know, when we now when we get a little higher in Krishna consciousness, we see that the the residents of Vaikuntha they are in a service attitude towards Krishna. They have a wonderful service attitude towards Krishna. Um, but it's very much in the mood of awe and reverence. It's, uh, it's more like, you know, almost that we're doing it for our benefit. Krishna doesn't need anything. He's the all-powerful, all-opulent, supreme personality of Godhead. So the service attitude is, is, is not as strong as in Vrindavan, where Mother Yashoda actually thinks, you know, um, you know, or, or Nandamara thinks, if I don't chastise my son, he's going to grow up to be a thief. Right now it's butter. What is, maybe it'll be banks later on. He's going to rob banks or something like that. And so I have, to, I, have to, I have to do this service of chastising him. Right? I have to, you know, he, he's going to starve without my cooking, Yashodamai. So she cooks 50 times a day for him. It, it's this incredibly intense service attitude in Goloka Brindavan. That's where these, that's where our, it, it burns the brightest. And in the material world, we have a service attitude, but it's in, it's, 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 it's generally directed towards material things. And that we'll hear about a lot, you know, whether it's our family or our nation or our bank balance or, you know, whatever. It's, 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 it's looking for love in all the wrong places, as the song goes. Mm. So some thoughts on these points before we go on to the next chapter. Mahamantra Prabhu. Uh, Prabhu, uh, the word without reservations, the last yes. sentence. So even the intention is not for material gains because this is the Kali Yuga or it's the material world. There will be um, caps on our capacity. Okay. So, we, in that context, without reservations means, can I take it? Like, I want to serve, but this is my capacity. I want to try at, uh, a little beyond my capacity. I think reservation here um, indicates hesitation. Oh, okay. You're not reserving any of your energy for something else. Okay, okay. You're giving 100% of your energy, whether you're the, what was it, the spider in Ram Lila and Hanuman? Was it a spider? Yeah. Yeah. So they so they were both giving they were both serving without has reservation. Okay. Okay? Like that. Thank you, bro. It's not like without reservations when you go to a restaurant and you don't have reservations. <laughs> Get you. I, <laughs> yes, Andy. You're on mute if you were gonna say something. I think you're on mute or we can't hear you. Yeah, I just muted mute. myself. I I didn't know I was on unmute the whole time. But uh I think the queen is not really showing it 
any reservations. And she's not really cutting that deep. Because right. she's, she's lamenting, right? First of all, she takes it as a given that the Lord exists, right? And then she starts to psychoanalyze his IQ. Well, later on, when you cool off, you know that's not going to hold up, right? That's right. So she's not really doing anything that dramatic. And she is unreservedly, you know, a devotee, even though what yes. she says. Yeah. You're, you're right. And we do that also, don't we? Sometimes we vent. And, you know, even I know the way they say, Krishna, I'm so upset with you. I'm so angry at you for this. And, you know, the devotee doesn't really mean that or you know yes so i think i think we can relate to what she says in one sense can't we you know that when at first you, you even know you're philosophically off but you're just going to let off some steam you know uh and that happens a lot with devotees you know I, in my service they'll let off some steam so and so such a rascal this and that and i just kind of patiently listen and and you know uh ask some open-ended questions and do some empathic listening. And then eventually they say, well, I know I shouldn't say that. I'm sure they are very sincere. I'm just upset that it didn't work out. And then they start being more reasonable. And you can understand at this, at this point, you can, you can't really, you're right. Uh, on a human level, you can't expect her to be saying highly philosophical things after everything that everyone's been through to get this son. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. That's the, yeah. And, and I think probably, you know, it seems like the Acharyas are taking advantage of the situation to preach to us about not blaming Krishna in tough situations. Other points? I, I don't know, Prabhu. Um, but it, that also signifies or indicates a bodily conception of life, right? What, what, what is being uh, exhibited by King Chitraketu and his wife, it's on the bodily conception of life. Because later on, just few few next chapter, like when the boy is going to be awakened, he's going to ask which father, which mother. Then it give it's like a, a a rude awakening for both of them. Yeah. I think you just skipped the chapter, but yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I said next yeah. chapter. Yeah. yeah, next to next though, isn't it? I don't think that happens in the next chapter, does it? No, next one, he's just dead. Yeah, next to next. Yeah, but that's okay. But uh, I get your point. Um, also, we have to remember, you know, uh, yes, she's in the bodily concept of life. But for many of us, we know this pastime. Maybe not all of us. Maybe some of us are reading it for the first time. That's understood. Many of us know the pastime. We know what's going to happen, right? But we have to sometimes remember that Chitra Ketu and Kritya Juti, when in that moment, they didn't know Angira and Narda were going to come. They didn't know that they would preach to them such wonderful philosophy. They didn't know the child was going to wake up again. And, and you know, and they didn't know Chitra Ketu becomes Ritasura. You know, so in the moment, I, I agree with you. It's a bodily concept of life. So, you know, it's, it's, it's both things. Yes, there, there's some Maya there. And yes, it's natural. Uh, but I think it's sometimes helpful for us when we're reading the Shastra, especially reading it a few times. We know the end game. <laughs> but the people who are in the moment at that time, they didn't. Is that all right, Rabbi Nandan? Yeah, I, I get the point, but still I would say like, that's not the end point, but it's basically the beginning point as per uh, Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, right? He starts with, we are not this body. True. So that's, that's basically the beginning conception. 
and what is lacking here in chitraketu and uh, his wife is they even lacked that basic conception of spirituality they were so attached because they were so much attached to their son yeah right. they were very emotional yeah very emotional and very attached and that, that, that that's what it's building up to but yes, he started to really his son directly Yeah actually um, he had to import some seed from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's interesting. Go ahead Jeevita Prabhu. So basically Devishnara you know he brought the spark in light. If he had brought it in the body of the sun and the sun was awakened then he would have been covered by maya. So the reason Devishnara did that is so that you know the spark does not get conditioned because of the body and would be able to reveal the facts that Devishnara wanted Chitraketu to hear and his wife to hear, and thus attain that renunciation, and like at least mentally become not attached to the body of the sun. Mm-hmm. So that when the spark was visible, the spark revealed which parent are you? Because as uh, spirit soul, when we are not conditioned by Maya, we have remembrance. Yes, and, and you. Yeah. You're giving away all the secrets of the future chapters, Jiva. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. No problem, no problem. But it's interesting. So the next chapter, well, the chapter we're just about to start, it's very much about Gyan, right? It's very much like the old, the as Raghunandan Prabhu is saying, it's the very beginning uh, stages of knowledge, and Angira delivers that. And then in the next to next chapter, as they say. Uh, uh then narada speaks and he speaks more from the devotional platform so we get gyan like in the second chapter of the gita and then we get more uh bhakti in uh that would be chapter 16 so let's go on to 15 and here uh as raghunandan prabhu is telling it well no we still have some verses to read here and then we'll go on to uh 16 uh 15 my dear son I am helpless and very much aggrieved. You should not give up my company. Just look at your lamenting father. We are helpless because without a son, we shall have to suffer the distress of going to the darkest hellish regions. You are the only hope by which we can get out of these darkest regions. Therefore, I request you not to go any further with the merciless Yama. So this also is showing um kind of the difference between the Gyan and then the Bhakti uh level and what she's speaking on which is more the karma level right oh you know you, you don't have a son you go to hell you know you need someone to inherit the kingdom but those are not based on knowledge of the soul and what to speak of knowledge of bhakti my dear son you have slept a long time now please get up your your playmates are calling you to play since you must be very hungry please get up suck my breast and dissipate our lamentation my dear son i am certainly most unfortunate for i can no longer see your mild smiling you have closed your eyes forever i therefore conclude that you have been taken from this planet to another from which you will not return my dear son i can no longer hear your pleasing voice sukadev goswami continued accompanied by his wife who is thus lamenting for her dead son king chitraketu began crying loudly with an open mouth being greatly aggrieved as the king and queen lamented all their male and female followers joined them in crying because of the sudden accident all the citizens of the kingdom were almost unconscious 
When the great sage Angira understood the king was almost dead in an ocean of lamentation, he went there with Narada Rishi. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the 6th canto, 14th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Ching Chitraketu's Lamentation. Chapter 15, the saints Narada and Angira instruct King Chitraketu. Okay, and we are reading up to verse 3. So like I said, Angira is going to be presenting a kind of Gyan-like presentation to, to loosen up Chitraketu's grip on matter. Because at the very end of the chapter, very end, Narada starts preaching um, not just Gyan, but Bhakti. So we're going up to verse 3. Sri Sukadeva Goswami said, While King Chitraketu, overcome by lamentation, lay like a dead body at the side of the dead body of his son, the two great sages, Narada and Angira, instructed him about spiritual consciousness as follows. O king, what relationship does the dead body for which you lament have with you? And what relationship do you have with him? You may say that you are now related as father and son, but do you think this relationship existed before? Does it truly exist now? Will it continue in the future? O king, as small particles of sand sometimes come together and are sometimes separated due to the force of the waves, living entities who have accepted material bodies sometimes come together and are sometimes separated by the force of time. Reading just a few sentences here about the fourth one. Like small particles of sand, bodies come together and are separated by the force of time. The people falsely lament for unification and separation. Unless one knows this, there is no question of happiness. So did you hear that? So we come together like small particles of sand separated by time. And we falsely lament for unification and separation. Unless we know this, there is no question of happiness. Our real, then next paragraph, our real interest lies in understanding this simple fact. Then we can make further spiritual progress. Otherwise, if we remain in the bodily conception of life, our miserable existence will continue forever. Political adjustments, social welfare work, medical assistance, and the other programs we have manufactured for peace and happiness will never endure. We shall have to undergo the sufferings of material life one after another. So my question is, how is there no question of happiness without understanding this fact? Anyone have an understanding about that? We are separated by time. People falsely lament for unification and separation. Unless we know this, there is no question of happiness. I think happiness is a false goal. It's just, it's just the other side of unhappiness. So it's mm, that's like the quote you just posted earlier, yeah, right? It's dualistic thinking. Now, I think that's one of the most obscure teachings of Prabhupada when he talks about duality, because that's the whole Buddhists spend their whole life thinking about that, right? And he's certainly not Mayavadi, but right, he talks about that, right, right. So the yeah, right. So very good. So if, if as long as we're caught up in the happiness and distress of this world or the and and, and we would even say it's um what is that word mono the ma uh, i forget the verse but it's basically a concoction of the mind 
what is happiness and what is the stress. Hmm. I, I was I was thinking about that. At last uh, three weeks, I've been uh, I'm back home. As you can probably tell, I'm back home now in D.C. But for the last three weeks, I've been with His Holiness Jayadwaita Swami, uh, who's really a pukka sannyasi. He's the he's the real deal. Um, as many other as the other sannyasi, but I you know because I know him well. I was his servant when I was a brahmachari many years ago. Ah, there's the word. That's Suganda. She can read minds. It's amazing. She she uh, I didn't even say what I wanted, and she found it. Manodharma, ya dwaite padra padra gyan sabha manodharma. E bhala e manda e sabha brahma. In this material world, conceptions of good and bad are all mental speculations. Therefore, saying this is good and this is bad is all a mistake. So I was thinking about that. Uh, I saw with Jai Dwaita Swami, his conception of what was good was to have as few possessions as possible. He had, you know, these, 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 these. Um, I don't know what they how to explain them. They're kind of like containers that you zip. They're made of cloth. You use for traveling. You can put all your socks in one size one, and then bigger one your shirts, and a bigger one your dhoti or your pants or whatever. Right? You've seen those. They're very good for traveling. Yeah. Packing so, cubes. Yeah. yeah, packing cube. Thank you, packing cubes. They're real big. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're big. Well, they're different sizes, but you mean they're popular. Yeah, yeah. So he he gave me three of them, and I said. I said, Marv, why are you giving him, you know, I'm a householder, why are you giving charity? <laughs> he said, no, no, I don't need, I said, well, don't use, yeah, I use them, but I don't need them. Better I give them away. <laughs> and, you know, for most householders, we're like, well, you know, I need to get this, I need to get that, and I'll be happy if I get this thing. Again. And he's like, <laughs> he had a different conception of happiness. <laughs> right? So there's different conception, you know, I'm not saying his is a mental speculation, because it's, you know, following his dharma as a sannyasi. <laughs> But it's, it's, it is, if we could get our mind to start thinking like this, like that verse that uh, Suganda just quoted, if we, could, if we could train ourselves to see the mind as concocting so many things for happiness and distress, and if we can get beyond that, what a, we, as Prabhupada says here, we'd be a lot more happy, we'd be a lot happier. Because the mind says that, oh, if I just buy this from Amazon, then I'll be happy. We're, obviously, we don't, we don't, as devotees, we don't say that out loud, right? But, you know, at least in a small way, we may be thinking of it, you know? You know, like I, I, I ordered from Amazon yesterday um, one of those foot rests because, you know, it, it kind of helps your, your posture and things like that if your feet aren't all the way at the ground. So, I, you know, I'm sure I wasn't thinking, now I'm going to be totally blissful the rest of my life. But somehow the mind, I'm sure in the back of my mind, I say, okay, now I'll, I'll have better posture. My back will hurt less. I'll have a straighter back. I'll live longer. I'll, I, you know, <laughs> I'll be number one. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, say I don't think like that, but, you know, it does lead to those kind of things. And I think in one of the purports we're going to read today, right, Prabhupada talks about having a new car. And how it's uh, it, it, what it's made of. He talks about that in the purport, if you remember that purport. And then he talks about the distress you get if you have a collision. Um, yeah, and, and I remembered that. You know, this was not one of my better moments. This is one of my lower moments, and I'll admit that right away. But I was, I was, I was going to the airport. I remember I was in Denver connecting flights. 
And I got a call from my wife and she mentioned so-and-so devotee borrowed our car and crashed it. And my first thing was how bad is the, how bad is the damage? And she was so angry at me, rightfully so. You didn't ask if the devotee's okay. <laughs> you know, and I, and I said, Oh my God, you know, that is total, you know, nonsense on my part. So you, I think you naturally assume that if, if he had been injured, she would have said so right away. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's the benefit of that. But still, she was upset with me, and I, I took it as a good chastisement. Now, in the next, in the second part of the purport, this brings up, um, you know, I would say debates that we sometimes have in our society. Because it says here, uh, social welfare work, medical assistance, and other programs will never endure. So some people, some devotees say we should just do spiritual ed. We should just distribute knowledge. You know, everyone has their, what is it called? The uh, unique selling point. And our unique selling point is, is the Maha Mantra and the, the Shastra. And, and, yeah. uh, and the welfare work, you know, uh, of the body, you know, um, you know, housing people or feeding them or, um, what else is it says here? Medical assistance. That's, you know, that's just taking care of the body, which has absolutely nothing to do with the self. Right? So we should just do spiritual activities. And then others will say, people will, uh, first of all, when we distribute food, we're not distributing food, we're distributing prasadam. Um, people will say, with, like, you know, the Bhaktivedanta Hospital in Bombay has created such goodwill for our society in that part of the country. And so the, and the debate goes on. Um, for me, it, it's, I think it's, it doesn't have to be that great a debate. It, we, we, we have to be careful that we don't lose our spiritual vision, that we think we're doing all the right things by opening a hospital or, but at the same time, we can do things that may help people be favorable to Krishna consciousness and bring them you know, to Krishna consciousness, Prabhupada once said, I believe it was in Thailand, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that he saw somebody pilfering, a child pilfering through the garbage and said if they, you know, if they can't find enough to eat, then they can't think of higher spiritual things, right? So, but, the, you know, this is, I just thought I'd point that out, that that sometimes is a, uh, is a debate. Other people have said, well, we, we distribute prasadam, but we should have a kirtan going at the same time, like at the, um, the Krishna lunch in, in the University of Florida, they distribute prasadam and then, you know, a little bit away, not far away, there's a few devotees sitting down and having a bhajan, um, like that. So, but it's, 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 it's always an interesting and sometimes a lively discussion that this comes up. So any questions on sort on happiness or on that point I just made? Comments? One one thing that struck me when uh, we were discussing that particular line from Prabhupada's purport, uh, there is no question, unless one knows this, there is no question of happiness. Uh, in one sense, it looks like uh, when when we are on the material platform, we don't have a proper conception of what actually happiness is. Mm. We think something to be happiness or we take something to be happiness and uh, something that is not happiness, we take it as suffering or distress. But those both and the same thing that Chaitanya Charitamrita verse is talking about, both of them are basically like uh, 
immaterial or irrelevant the real happiness is the happiness of the spirit soul yeah and that comes up actually in verse 25 when we get to that that point but it's a it's a it's um it's like the example that's given sometimes of uh uh what was it you're telling somebody that you know uh trying to explain to a blind person what milk is and you say oh it's 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 white <laughs> and and the blind person doesn't know what white is right so you you know we have everyone on this call has experienced some of the higher taste so we wouldn't be interested in krishna consciousness that that a different kind of happiness than the happiness and distress of of this world so a large part of giving people a chance to be krishna conscious yes it is explaining the philosophy uh and that's part of it but you know getting the higher getting that at some taste for krishna through philosophy through kirtan through prashadam it it ultimately has to have some experience of that spiritual happiness in order to really know the difference yeah and ananta rupa and jiva tatva prabhus have put uh when the senses when the mind and sense are engaged in material activities one has to continue his material existence and struggle to attain happiness in each and every life one is engaged in the struggle to become happy actually no one in this material world is happy but the struggle gives a false sense of happiness it yeah so that that that's yeah that false sense of happiness is is the enemy of the soul in one sense because if you really uh, it's all it's all good that's right. and that's exactly that's exactly what narada's questions were meant to jog loose from from his consciousness that uh you know what what in what sense are you c- uh, connected he's trying to up upend the uh the whole orientation of uh material life by by the questions you know your your whole premise is wrong is basically what those questions are saying right right exactly and that just a small thing it is angira in this chapter narada in the next chapter but yes okay yeah okay and let's continue we're going up to i think verse 5 right 3 to 5 yes when seeds are sown in the ground they sometimes grow into plants and sometimes do not sometimes the ground is not fertile and the sowing of seeds is unproductive similarly sometimes a prospective father being impelled by the potency of the supreme lord can beget a child but sometimes conception does not take place therefore one should not lament over the artificial relationship of parenthood which is ultimately controlled by the supreme lord o king both you and we your advisors wives and ministers as well as everything moving and non-moving throughout the entire cosmos at this time are a, are in a temporary situation before our birth the situation did not exist and after our death it will exist no longer therefore our situation is temporary although it is not false prabhupada writes the maya body philosophers say brahma satyam jagan mitya brahman the living entity the living being is factual but his present bodily situation is false according to vaishnava philosophy however the present situation is not false but temporary it is like a dream 
The entire material creation, including our creation and those of others, is impermanent. Impermanent. Prabhupada talks about this even in the existential uh, realm when he says, we never had an occasion when we were separated from Krishna. Just like one man is dreaming and he forgets himself, in dream he creates many, he creates himself in different forms. Now I am the king, discussing like that. His creation of himself is as seer and the subject matter or scene, two things. But as soon as the dream is over, the scene disappears, but the seer remains, we remain. Now he is in his original position. Our separation from Krishna is like that. We dream this body and so many relationships with other things. First, the attachment comes to enjoy sense gratification. Even with Krishna, desire for sense gratification is there. There is a dormant attitude for forgetting Krishna and creating an atmosphere of enjoying independently. Just like at the edge of the beach, sometimes the water covers, sometimes there is dry sand coming and going. Our position is like that. Sometimes covered, sometimes free, just like at the edge of the tide. As soon as we forget, immediately the illusion is there. As soon as we sleep, dream is there. So it, the, it's, it's, it's such an important distinction in our philosophy that we, when we say that we, uh, that the world is illusory, we say that it is illusory because it's temporary. Not false. Not false, exactly. And this is, uh, very much explained, I believe, Suganda can find, is it 215 or 216, Suganda? Nasato, that verse. Um, that, that which is real is that which is permanent, and that which is unreal is that which is temporary. Um, uh, 216, thank you. Um, so this, you know, it's something to really deeply understand. I think I was going to talk about this a little later in the, um, in the chapter, but we could discuss it now. And that is, mm, okay, if it, it, this, this whole chapter is about Gan, right? Basically, like I said in the beginning, and the difference between the body and the soul, relationships are temporary, your house, your wife, your children, your husband, your this, that, temporary. And then, let's see, which uh, verse was that in? So I could find it. Hare Krishna. Um... I think it's 18, 18 and 19, if we look at that for a second. Yes. So in the purport to 18 and 19, Prabhupada writes, it, uh, just before the first verse that he quotes, a devotee should always aspire to engage in the service of advanced devotees. As Srila Narottama Das Thakur has sung, Tandera Charana Sevi Bhakti Sanivas, Janame Janame Hoye Abilas. A devotee should always aspire to live in the association of advanced devotees and engage in the service of the Lord through Parampara. One should serve the mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the instructions of the six Goswamis. This is called Tandara Charana Sevi. While serving the lotus feet of the Goswamis, one should live in the association of devotees. So one could argue, wait a second, why? It's all temporary. 
Why you live in association with devotees? You don't live in association with devotees. Why aren't why aren't devotees in the list along with the house and the family members and the car and the this and that? Why why isn't it all lumped in? Okay, that that could be a natural question. And our answer is that this is the difference between this chapter and the next chapter, or between what Angira is preaching and what Narada is preaching. The difference between Gyan and Bhakti. Mm-hmm. And we have to be a little careful of Gyan. At least in the past in ISKCON, we had to be really careful of it. Um, because if you, if, you start under, if you only focus on Gyan and you don't focus on Bhakti, then there's a tendency to, to just want to forget the world. <laughs> well, or you oscillate between sense gratification and forgetting the world. <laughs> and yet, you know... And you just say, oh, what's the use of this job? What's the use of this wife? What's the use of paying bills? What's, you know, it's all Maya, right? Um, and that, that is, the, it, the Gan can make us hard-hearted. Mm-hmm. And Bhakti combines karma and Gan, right? We've studied this many times, right? It combines the desire to be active and be successful or, you know, be active in this world with the knowledge that we're not this body. And it adds devotion to the Supreme Lord. So we are bhaktas, we're not jnanis. This chapter is about jnan, but, it, but it, it's fine. It's, so, it's inspiring, it's enlivening, as long as we also connect it with bhakti. So yeah, what's the use of this and that? Unless we connect it with Krishna, then it's totally useful. Anashaktasya vishaya yartahama puyanjita. Nirbanda Krishna Sambande Yukta So if we see the Sambanda of trying to bring up our children as devotees, we see the Sambanda as serving our husband or serving our wife by, um, because they're devotees. We see the Sambanda of taking care of the family by going to work. Then we're, then we're uh, otherwise, you read this chapter and you just say, yeah, to hell with it. See you later, alligator. <laughs> I'm going to the Himalayas. Right? Um, so that, that this, this difference between Gyan and Bhakti is very important to understand. And therefore, when it comes to devotees, Tandera Charana Sevi Bhakti Sanya, birth after birth, Janame Janame Hoi, Eyabilas, I desire their association. I don't think, oh, it's all temporary. What's the, what's the use? They die, I die. We're like two pieces of sand that come together and go apart. We'll never see each other again. Um, you know, Prabhupada said there's an ISKCON in the spiritual world. So, um, I don't know if you, you need to use Zoom. Yeah. But, uh, but so some thoughts on, uh, let's go back to verse 5. Yes, Jiva. So, again, we call this world as temporary and full of misery. And Lord Krishna is saying, Anityam loke, ashashvatam. Yet it's very important for us to understand, and this chapter is on knowledge, Gyan, right? So yeah. we have to also understand with the right perspective. And in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna does reveal, he's saying, Karya Karana Kirtatve Hetu Prakati Uchyate Purusha Sukha Dukhana Bhokatatve Hetur Uchyate. And translation by Srila Prabhupada is, Nature is said to be the cause of all material causes and effects, whereas the living entity is the cause of the various sufferings and enjoyments in this world. 
So the 8.4 million species, the body, the yantra rudani maya, that is provided by material nature. But who's really causing the suffering is living entity. <laughs> yes. It is us who are the cause. We are the limit. We are the ones who have put ourselves in this time out being conditioned. And we are thinking we are this body. Correct. While we are higher living entity. So we have to you know, rise above that conditioned state to be able to situate ourselves and engage in devotional service. And that's why for materialists, everything is inauspicious. Even the qualities are very inauspicious. But for devotees, everything is auspicious because they see everything with, in relationship with Krishna, in relationship with their relationship with other devotees. And so everything becomes celebrated. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Other thoughts or questions, comments? Yes, Mahamantra Prabhu. Prabhu, uh, my question is about lamentation. Okay. Uh, even devotees lament, but there is a significant difference. They know the, the you know we're not the body and all. But I'm, my question is about you know, the lamentation uh, with the attachment to the bodies. So it, it's looking like both. To me, this both Chitraketu and uh, his wife are about to leave the bodies with their lamentation. It was very intense because yes. their their son, which is understandable, but um, but some people, uh, you know, take out their lives and all uh, to different circumstances. But the intelligence is also stolen with this uh, lamentation. Uh, because the very thing what they were trying to achieve and failing will never be achievable if they take out their lives. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, what 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 is the force of this lamentation, Prabhu? Like, like how does it compel one to do such things? Well, it seems to be very much controlled by the mode of ignorance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yes. And. The mode of ignorance, as we read in the Gita, in a number of places, right? You know, uh, lamentation is one of the words that's used. Indolence is used. I had to look that word up. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it puts us in a very downward spiral. All about something we have no control over, what happened in the past. Right. Right? And it's interesting, because you said about devotees lamenting. Because look, let's look at Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur for a second. So he wrote the verse, forget the past that sleeps, nor in the future dream at all, yeah. but be in times with our, that are with thee, and progress ye shall call. And then he also wrote Shar, Sharanagati, uh, especially the first, you know, the Sharanagati uh, uh, is, is divided into six, right? Yeah. The, first, the first song is about the first uh, group of songs is about humility. Yeah, and there he's lamenting that he wasted his life in in uh, in education, you know, in mundane education, and so many kids. And so, how is how how does that work? Well, the thing that struck me is at the end, the very last part of those songs, he'll write something like this. Um, oh, wait, wait, I, I just had it. Hold on, let me find it real quick. 
Were you to judge, were you to judge me now, you would find no good qualities. Have mercy and judge me not. Cause me to drink the honey of your lotus feet, and therefore, and thereby deliver this bhakti vinod. So his lamentation was, it was, this was a, this Sharanagati lamentation is a very deep, it's in, in the problem part of dainya, about humility. And it's, it's a very deep spiritual, it, it, it may mimic, it may look a little bit like material lamentation, but his conclusion is, therefore I surrender everything to you. Right? So, so it's, it, we have to be careful when we, we don't think, uh, like, who is it? Uh, uh, who is uh, Ramachandra, the, the one who was uh, criticizing his guru, said, I've left, you know, I've, I, I don't have Mathura. Ramachandra Puri. Ramachandra Puri. And who was the guru? Huh? Who was the guru? Madhavendra Puri. Right. So he, he, he made that mistake, right? Ramachandra Puri. Why, why are you limiting? Think of Brahman. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but he was. But his lamentation was a deep spiritual emotion. Yeah. But material lamentation, we 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 should. Um, you know, we all do that, right? We all. Oh, I should have said this. I could have done that. Oh, I should have invested in that instead of invested in this. You know, and I should have bought that house instead of this house, or I should have took that job instead of this. You know, and that's just like forget the past that sleeps. And, and at least within the core of our heart, slowly, slowly, we can try to develop some of the mood of Srila Bhaktivinoda on the spiritual platform. Uh, I haven't done it every day, but I'm trying to uh, read, it only takes like five minutes, trying to read one of the six symptoms of surrender from Sharanagati every, every day. It only takes like five minutes. And it's very uh, inspiring. It's very inspiring. Is that all right, Mahamantrapu? Thank you. Shall we go on a little bit more? Let's go on to verse 8. So we're on 6, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Master and Proprietor of Everything. Did I read that one? No, Prabhu. No. The Master and Proprietor of Everything is certainly not interested in the temporary cosmic manifestation. Nonetheless, just as a boy at the beach creates something in which he is not interested. This is an interesting thing. So he creates like a sandcastle. The Lord, keeping everything under his control, causes creation, maintenance, and annihilation. He creates by engaging a father to beget a son. He maintains by engaging a government or king to see the public's welfare. And he annihilates through the agents of, for killing, such as snakes. The agents of creation, maintenance, and annihilation have no independent potency, but because of the spell of the illusory energy, and thinks himself a creator, maintainer, and annihilator. As from one seed, another seed is generated, O king. So from one body, the body of the father, through another, the body of the mother, a third body is generated, the body of the son. As the elements of the material body are eternal, the living entity who appears through these material elements is also eternal. So the elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, ego, those are eternal, and so are we as spirit souls. Divisions of generalization and, specific, and specification, such as nationality, right, which is kind of general, there's so many, and individuality, which is very specific, are the imaginations of persons who are not advanced in knowledge. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes, there are two energies, actually there are two energies, materials, both of them are ever-existing, 
because they are emanations from the eternal truth, the Supreme Lord. Because the individual soul, the individual living entity, has desired to act in forgetfulness of his original identity since time immemorial, he is accepting, accepting different positions in material bodies and being designated according to many divisions of nationality, community, society, species, and so on. So isn't that a fact? You know, uh, all the fights that are going on in America now, you could say, I don't know if they'd say nationality, or at least what they, you know, people think America should be white. And other people think America should be the rainbow of so many different, uh, you know, backgrounds. And, and my community is better than your community. And even my species is better than your species in the sense that we, we commit so much harm to certain species, such as fish and chickens and cows and pigs, etc. So all because of this false identification of the body, pretty much you open up the newspaper and everything one way or, relate, or another could be related to the bodily concept of life, pretty much. Okay, shall we move on? We are going up to 18 and 19, which we covered partially, but not completely. Nine, Sukadev Goswami continued. Thus enlightened by the instructions of Narada and Angira, King Chitraketu became hopeful with knowledge. Wiping his shriveled face with his hands, the king began to speak. So this is the, so we're starting to see the effects of real knowledge. King Chitraketu said, you have both, so remember, I don't know, we only find out now that they were disguised. They didn't say that they were Ankira and Narada. You have both come here dressed like Avadhutas, liberated persons, just to cover your identities. But I see that of all men, you are the most elevated in awareness. You know everything as it is. Therefore, you are the greatest of all great personalities. Brahmanas who are exalted in the position of Vaishnavas, the most dear servants of Krishna, sometimes dressed like madmen. Just to benefit materialists like me, you are always, uh, who are always attached to sense gratification, and just to dissipate our ignorance, these Vaishnavas wander on the surface of the globe, over the surface of the globe according to their desire. O great souls, I have heard that among the great and perfect persons wandering the surface of the earth to instruct knowledge to people covered by ignorance are Sanakumar, Narada, who's just in front of him, Vibhu, Angira, who's also in front of him, Devala, As- Asita, Aprantaranmatama, or Vyasadev, Markandeya, Gautama, Vashishta, Bhagavan Parashuram, Kapila, Sukadev, Durasa, Jagyavokya, uh, Jatukarna, and Aruni. Others are Rom- Romasha, Chaivana, Dattatreya, Asuri, Patanjali, the great sage Damya, who is like the head of the Vedas, the sage Panchashika, Hiranya Nabha, Koshalya, Shutadev, and Vritadvaja. You must certainly be among them. <laughs> so he's figured it out. Because you are great personalities, you can give real knowledge. I am as foolish as a village animal, like a pig or dog, because I emerged in the darkest of ignorance. Therefore, please ignite the torch of knowledge to save me. Angira said, my dear king, when you desired to have a son, I approached you. Indeed, I am the same Angira Rishi who gave you the son. As for this Rishi, he is the great sage Narada, the direct son of Lord Brahma. 
sorry, um, 18 and 19. My dear king, you are an advanced devotee of the Supreme Personality of God. To be absorbed in lamentation for the loss of something material is unsuitable for a person like you. Therefore, we have come here, we have come to relieve you from this false lamentation, which is due to your being merged in the darkest darkness of ignorance, as uh, Raghunandan Prabhu had reminded us earlier. For those who are advanced in spiritual knowledge, to be affected by material loss and gain is not desirable. And we read most of this purport uh, already before. Um, While serving the lotus feet of the Goswamis, one should live in the association of devotees. This is the business of a devotee. A devotee should not aspire for material profit or lament for material loss. When Angira, Rishi, and Narada saw that Maharaj Chitraketu, an advanced devotee, had fallen into the darkness of ignorance and was lamenting for the material body of his son, by their causeless mercy, they came to advise him so that he could be saved from this ignorance. We're going at the end of the purport. This is a symptom of an advanced devotee, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma. For a devotee, an advanced self-realized soul, there is no cause for material jubilation or lamentation. He is always transcendental to conditioned life. So we should have this desire in our heart to always want to serve advanced devotees. It's a little trickier in one level uh, during the uh, coronavirus time. You can't, you know, run to the temple and serve, you know, the Sunday feast out and in that way it serve devotees or, you know, but we can follow Prabhupada's instructions. That's a service to devotees. We can follow our Guru Maharaj's instructions. We can hear and chant. We can pray. We can do the ninefold different processes of bhakti, which are service in one way or another, and see if there's ways that we can serve uh, devotees. Um, and I was with Maharaj the last few weeks. I was thinking, well, first of all, we have a lot of, we have a familiar relationship. You know, we know, like I told you, I was his servant when I was a promoter. So I knew he wouldn't want me to serve him just like, you know, always at attention, my hands folded, yes, Maharaj, no Maharaj, whatever you say, Maharaj. Right. Um, but for example, uh, I, you know, I, he didn't have a car and I had a car and I, we were staying at his mother's house, who's 97 years old. So I thought it would be a service to him to spend time with his mother-in-law, uh, his mother, to take her wherever she needed to go, you know, to the bank or to shopping or this or that, and, and to cook for both of them, you know. And that was a way, it wasn't the standard way, but, you know, at, he told me several times how happy he was that I was, you know, uh, spending time with his mom. And I knew his mom. She had spent time with at our house uh, in Vrindavan many, many years ago. So we may have to use some creative ways to find, to serve uh, devotees. Some of us here are married and we can serve our spouse and in that way serve devotees. Um, we, we may have to be a little creative during the coronavirus time. But I think if we pray to Krishna, we can find ways. Of course, just reading about the great devotees is serving them. And... 
so we we were we're hearing we we're associating with Narada Rishi and Chit and uh well, and and Angira in this chapter in particular. So we find creative ways to serve, but that's our if our if our swarup, who we are, is a servant of God, and if God is telling us the best way to serve me is to serve my servants, and we take that very seriously. Um we take that very seriously, and by serving them, we get Krishna's, we get Krishna's mercy. And there may be practical things that we can do. You know, like I, I got to, uh, um, I also made some arrangements. So there's a devotee in in our temple in DC who's very, very inspired by Jayadwaita Maharaj, and he he wrote me saying, "Is there some service I can do?" And so Maharaj needed a, a new pair of shoes. And for him, it's just, you know, flip-flops. It's nothing fancy. But uh, I I went out and I got like a few pairs of them. And because that way Maharaj didn't have to go to the mall. And things like that, right? And then uh, we found the one that he liked and I returned the others. And then I let that devotee in DC pay for them so that they could render service. So, you know, we may have to find some tricky ways sometimes or, or creative ways to serve devotees. Uh, it might be nice to check in with someone we haven't checked in with in a long time. I know some, someone I'm looking at, Mahamantra, but we have so many people that he's shared Krishna consciousness with over the years. He might go through his Rolodex or whatever the the modern, uh, the electronic version of that is and start making some phone call. How are you doing? Just checking in with them. And that inspires them in their Krishna consciousness. And that's pleasing to his guru and pleasing to Prabhupada. We can find different creative ways to to render service in a, in a challenging time. And Krishna will give us intelligence to do that, if that's our desire. So some questions, comments on this? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Yes. So Prabhu, all this uh, beautiful knowledge, the transcendental knowledge, you know, it really pleases our heart. We feel like we are absorbing it. And after a while, uh, we engage in other um, activities in household, uh, you know, and we also deal with, like my, always my main concern, I speak about it often. Uh, and around the children, we are engaging in material activities with them. We are trying to chant also, trying to pray that Krishna, may we always remember you. And, you know, but there are moments where, we are not in remembrance happens more often and and we also end up lamenting also later with some unfavorable situation with especially with grown up children you know when they really they there it's also they're also work in progress you know so uh, well we go through a lot of situations then and then as we are reading now that okay what is real happiness right and that always we should try to take shelter of these teachings and shelter of duties, but not necessarily. I mean, reading the Shastras ourselves and knowing this fully and taking it to heart, we are really at a loss at certain moments. And, and those moments do happen. Yes. And it is only after some time has passed, <laughs> having experienced some grief and lamentation of some sort of situations, and then we come back again to the, all this and wishing that 
uh, i wish i could have remembered and but we do go through these experiences and yes. at that moment there is no way we can remember you know yes so that should lead us to humility yeah and humility is a bitter pill but it's a requirement for making advancement in krishna consciousness yeah therefore trinada peace unichena um but it's not easy and as far as our children few things they have their own life and their own free will and their own karma um usually one of the best things we can do for our children is to be happy ourselves in krishna consciousness and then they just see that example because krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught as we often say and so when they just see they grow up seeing you know they go through krishna they'll go through their tribulations in their life because in one sense both of your children are growing up pretty much you know govinda's not not a kid anymore um and they'll they'll go through their tribulations and they'll say you know my mother she was so blissful whenever i saw her you know uh, i'd like to you know i remember that maybe i should give that krishna consciousness more of a try <laughs> they, they 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 pick up on uh, on that on our example so one of the best things we can do for them is to be happy in krishna consciousness and meet them where they are um but yeah we you know our life is uh we're not sanyasis and so our life as grihastas have uh some some duties to perform for the family thank you vishwar once again yeah we do see that the kids even though it appears they are not listening but if they are in the vicinity they are paying attention yes govin yes. many times you know after the class he would say i wanted to have this conversation i really like this point and we kind of like go into an hour we don't even realize how the time passes govind is a good devotee parikshan he's a good devotee he's a very nice you know all the children in this one we see that they really very much uh, in the right association getting the right association when we see at the temple means we see you know all of them so humble so tolerant so understanding so respectful you know we can also pray for our children i know one parent who says <laughs> they've been praying for 40 years <laughs> Okay so our time is up we have reached the noon hour um very good i guess it'll be a new year next time we meet um so have a wonderful week in krishna consciousness if you work for the government let's see if we're still working on tuesday huh. uh, we'll we shall see um there's so many uncertainties in this world <laughs> and uh thank you this is a enlivening discussion so next week we'll finish this chapter which is a short chapter we're we're almost done and then we'll get to uh the next where where as raghunanda prabhu says where the uh, the child comes back to life and we learn more hari krishna hari krishna happy, happy new year everyone yes. thank you hari krishna